Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. Episode 74. I am diving right in. I'm not even messing around, you guys. I just, woo, hot up in my office, got the top bun getting shit done. <laughs> Those of you at home who can't see me, I'm just in your ear. And I'm going to circle back to being in your ear. So hold on to that thought. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. But tonight's episode, today's episode, who's at your table? Who is at your table? And I'm going to tell you kind of a roundabout story about how I came to this thing. We're going to talk about the importance of who's at your table and why I'm talking about who's at your table and how I got inspired to talk about this stuff. Okay, there's a couple of people. There's a couple of people who are at my table, and this is going to explain some things. So I have a really beautiful and talented and brilliant friend. And her name is Georgina Durkin. And Georgie is like, she lives in Ireland. She's magical. She's amazing. I'm going to have her on the show sometime so you guys can, you can hear, first of all, one of the best accents ever, but so you can hear the power and the magic of, of Georgie. So Georgie came into my life through uh, one of my other friends who I've had on the show, Meg Haynes, who is also an incredible intuitive and magical and, uh, you know, love it to death. Um, and so I had heard about Georgie for a long time. Um, and then we finally made our own connection and we just like, boom, we just hit it off. We just like our souls aligned. We just like hooked up and I'm like, Oh, Georgie is one of my people. Um, she's at my table and we, Georgie and I were talking about, um, you know, I I've been to Ireland on a, on a spiritual pilgrimage with Marianne Williamson. And there were some magical places, what we call thin places. I'll do a whole show on thin places another time. And we were just kind of talking about all kinds of different stuff. But you know, one of the, one of Georgie's gifts is that she's able to kind of, for lack of a better word, um, or words, she's really good at being able to, uh, make conscious contact, like with your soul and just kind of tap into, your life's purpose and meaning and what's arising in your life and, and a thousand other things. So just know like she, she does deep, deep, um, powerful work. So she and I were, were kind of talking, talking about this thing. I have this thing with swords, like literally like swords, like think about like, so not, not as my friend Nick, right? Not Star Wars, like lit, lightsabers swords. I'm talking like, like King Arthur swords. I'm really into this thing with swords right now. <laughs> I know my, my, my nerd geek is showing, but it's just true. So ever since I was a little kid, I've been fascinated with like tales of the King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table and like this concept of dragons and the mystical and the mythical and like all this stuff. And, and she was talking about in Merlin, right? Merlin, the magician. And so she and I were talking about this concept of, um, um, 
of me and Merlin and this connection that we have. And just stay with me. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a good point. Just stay with me. <laughs> and we were talking about this and I was telling her how on that spiritual pilgrimage that I went with uh, Marianne Williamson to, we went to England, we went to um, Ireland. And one of the places that we visited, one of the sacred places that we visited was in Tintagel, England. And I might be saying that wrong, but that's how I hear it in my head. Tintagel, Tintagel. Yeah, one of those. Um, England, where Tintagel Cap Castle sat. And underneath, this is supposedly the birthplace of Atha, right? King Atha and all of the, the legends of Camelot, all that stuff. And underneath this castle, this old castle, sits Merlin's cave. And so Georgie and I were kind of talking about this. And it was fascinating because another friend of mine, uh, Lauren Zink, who does um, really incredible copywriting work and stuff like that, um, she had me take this um, kind of like test around my brand and the energy of my brand. And my number one um, kind of thing, my strongest thing that came back is that I am the magician, like I'm a magician. And I used to work at a magic dinner theater and like on and on and on. There's so many cross connections that it's hysterical. But as we were talking, as Georgie and I were talking about this legend of King Atha and Merlin and swords and the Knights of the Round Table, I started talking to her about how, um, who King Atha chose to sit at the, his round table, the knights that were chosen. In legend, in legend, there were supposedly anywhere from 12 seats I've heard all the way up to 150. There might be some other legends where there's more, but I'm going with the 12 for this story and this analogy because this, this is the part that I think is important. So one of the things about who Arthur chose to sit at the table, I mean, this is like a, a gathering of legendary fellowship. The, the knights that were chosen to sit at that table they were brought in under the, um, they were brought in, I would say, for their unconscious competence of just what they were naturally good at, what their natural strengths were, like who they really were in their valor, right, in their value. Um, and when you sat at that table, um, you were there meeting inequality. So everybody who came to the table was of equal value and equal quality to each other. They might have had different strengths or skills or names or whatever the thing was, but they were all there as a circle of influence. And um, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I started to think about like, well, if I was King Arthur and I was assembling the knights at my round table, who would I want sitting at my table? And when these people came to the table through invitation only, and we'll talk about that in a sec, when they sit at the table, what are they bringing to the table? You know that old saying, what do you bring into the table? This is the question that I think we should all be asking, A, number one, ourselves. B, number two, who we choose to have in our life. And three, who we choose to, by invitation only, to sit at that inner sanctum, that inner sacred circle with us. Who is sitting at your table? And because there are only so many seats, and in this case, King Arthur had a seat, so technically there's 13 seats, one of them is for you. You got 12 seats to fill at your table. 
who are you inviting to the table? Because these people who sit at your table, first of all, we get to decide who they are. And we want to be asking ourselves, right? Like, um, who do I want in my circle of influence? And my friend Nick and I were talking about this the other day. He was doing a Facebook Live. Um, and I commented on it and I said to him, um, you know, I'm wicked picky about who is in my head and who is in my ear, who is in my head, who is in my ear, who I allow to inform and influence me and who inspires me. And these are the kind of people that you want to have at your table. And it's by invite only, because here's the thing you need to, you need to maintain the power and the right and the ability to remove them from your table should they stop bringing their value. I mean, one of the thing about King Arthur's Knights is that they all showed up with a, um, they had to have a certain level of integrity. That was the thing. They had to be, it's not chivalrous. I'm trying to think of the, I think it was like a C word, but they all had to have this particular quality to be able to be invited to the table. They had to be amazing at whatever they were bringing, whatever their strengths were. And so here's the thing, like, have you ever been, have you ever had a friend or known somebody? It could be anybody, it could be a family member, a friend, somebody you just knew through somebody else. And whenever they walked into the room, it was like, uh. And it's so funny because I think Dean, what's his face? Who's the comedian that started the whole thing on Karen's? Oh my God, I did a whole post about this. Um, I can't think about it, but he was basically saying like every group of friends has a Karen and whenever she walks in the, in the room, everybody's like, oh, fuck you, Karen. Like nobody likes Karen, right? That's where the whole thing started. I can't believe I can't think of the awful. And it's what's so funny is I think I remember him doing that skit years and years and years ago. And he actually did it in the round, right? I'm talking about the round table. And I remember he did that set in the round. And here's the thing, you know how there's that one person, they walk in the room and some part of you just goes like, oh God, right? You never want to be that person. When you show up into a room, you want the place to be better for having you in it. You want to be like, oh, so-and-so is here. Everything just got better. That person is bringing value. Not, not, they are here to inspire, not to inflict themselves on people, <laughs> right? So if you're going to ask somebody to pull up a chair to sit at your table, man, man, they better be of high quality value because we want to be picky and we want to maintain the right and the ability to revoke the invitation at any time should shit start to get weird. So right now I'm kind of looking really deeply. I, I think we are in extraordinary times. And I think we're really, oh, the old paradigm, the old paradigm, the old way of doing things, man, that shit is falling apart. And it's interesting that right now I feel really compelled. This is a human being. This is just a little, a little peek behind the door of, of KK's mind. I find myself kind of reaching back into the mystical and the mythical legendary tales because there's a reason why they're legendary there's a reason why these stories were passed on and on and on and on these stories live on because at the heartbeat of them at the core of them there is something that resonates with us on a soul level on a spiritual level it's not just fodder in fun fantasy stories it's not that it is calling to something deep within ourselves and to me i think there's something really really incredible 
about putting together your circle of influence, who is sitting at your round table and there's only 12 chairs. And I'm not saying like, like I'm not talking about necessarily, and I'm not saying that it's not that your partner or your sweetie or one of your kids or whoever wouldn't be at the table, but I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking more about in like your business, in your, um, the people you'll get, um, inspiration, information, support, guidance from. It's like a different version of spiritual team. But this for me is all about humans, right? And your spiritual team, there definitely can be a live humans on it, but that also includes like, you know, um, like Jesus or spirits or animals that have passed on and died. I'm talking about who are the human companions, because here's the thing, whoever is sitting at that table, they have a connection with each other because of their proximity to each other. So whoever I'm inviting to my table, I want them to be able to look at the person next to them and the fact that they're both at the table, they know that they have a seat there, that they belong there. That these are people who know their strength, who know their power, who know their gifts, and that, that when they walk in the room and sit their ass down, everything got bad up for them being there. It's like they walk in and it's like, ooh, good stuff just showed up. And I think you know this, like you, you intuitively know who these people might be for you in your life. So right now I'm kind of taking a look at my life and I'm checking and I'm looking around and I'm like, who am I inviting to the table? And my friend Georgie, I was talking with her the other day and I said to her, I'm going to give you a seat at my table. And it's not like, oh, I'm bestowing it upon her. She's so lucky. It's not that. In fact, it's a huge sign of respect that I'm like, I want to give you one of my seats at the round table. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. And we, and we went back and forth. And so right now, that's what I'm doing. I'm asking myself, who's at my table? Because the people who you surround yourself with you know, there's that old saying in business, like you are the sum or whatever you, or just in life, I guess, but you are the sum of the, of the, the five or three closest people you spend the time with. And this kind of takes it beyond that a little bit because it's asking us to go like, okay, who, who do I want seated at my table? Because this is all relational. This is all about relationships. And like in A Course in Miracles, it says there are no neutral thoughts. I would say that there are no neutral relationships. <laughs> I think that, I think, because here's what I know to be true. In A Course in Miracles, it says when an idea is shared, it grows stronger. So if there's something I'm trying to do in my life, and whether it literally has to do something I'm trying to create, something I'm trying to transform or change, I want to have the best possible people at my table to help me bring forth that vision, to help me to grow and expand myself, my idea, my value in the world, my influence, how I'm showing up. And I don't want to have a bunch of people around me who aren't able, they don't have the capacity to hold the space for my greatness. You know, I did an episode called like owning, owning your brilliance and your bullshit. So you want to have people at the table who can acknowledge your brilliance and not be threatened by it, 
and who are also not afraid to hold you to a standard of saying, hey, I think you blew it there. Not in a mean way. These people love you enough to tell you the truth. These people love you enough and they know you well enough to know when you can hear it and they're not going to waste their time if you're not willing to hear it, right? You want very, very, very wise people in your circle of support, in your circle of power. And when I think about this, when I think about like what it was like for me, when I, when I went on that spiritual pilgrimage and we waited until the tide, you can go only go into Merlin's cave when the tide is out. You have to wait till the tide rolls out because it's filled with seawater. It's on this huge cliff. And the old castle is only little parts of it less, right? It's all like, you know, like it's old, it's ancient. So when the tide rolls out, you can go into the cave. And I'll never forget, I have pictures. I, maybe I'll post them sometime so you guys can see them. And I remember sitting in the cave and looking over at Mary and Williamson and just thinking like, how, like, how is this even happening right now? It was like the most magical thing. You got to remember at that time, like I'm in my 20s. I had just read, you know, a few years before that, A Return to Love, which changed my life. Had just become a student of A Course in Miracles a couple of years before that, changing my life. And here I am sitting with somebody who I totally looked up to. And I'm sitting in Merlin's cave, like one of the stories of my childhood. And I remember she and I looked at each other and we had an exchange and we had a moment just about like the Merlin's cave is what I would call one of those thin places where the veil between the, the divine and the humane worlds is very thin. Where the veil, where the, where the, where the, the doorway, the passageway to the other side is very thin. And I remember sitting in that cave and just being like overwhelmed with emotion. And knowing now, looking back that like, you know, there have sometimes been like thousands of miles in time and years between Marianne and I, but she has always had a seat at my table. One of those spots, her spot was already filled. And I have other seats at my table that are filled now too with really powerful people. And part of the great part, like the great fun of having your own round table and asking this very important question, who's at my table? Which is a way of saying like, who's in my head? Who's in my ear? Who's in my heart? Who are the people that I'm gonna allow to have any kind of effect or influence on me, that I trust them enough and value them enough that I'm going to allow them to be in my head, be in my heart, be in my ear. You know, and it's so interesting because originally with Atha and, and the Knights of the Round Table, you know, the Knight's job was to basically um, ensure peace, to keep peace within the kingdom. They were the peacemakers. And they were incredibly um, gifted. And they also were on a quest for the Holy Grail. And this was another thing that was so fascinating for me, like growing up. I mean, my, my beloved cat, for many reasons, A Tribe Called Quest was one of my favorite, <laughs> was one of my favorite uh, 
music. If you don't know a tribe called Quest, just do yourself a favor, go listen to their music. And, um, and also, so when I adopted Quest in California, like I knew, I already knew I had the name. I'm like, I'm looking for Quest. And I went in and I was on a quest to find Quest. And um, he was this little black cat. I wasn't even supposed to have a cat where I lived, but I didn't care. I was on a quest and I went into the, to the little uh, MSPCA. And as I walked by his cage, this little paw came out and like pawed at me. This little black paw came out and pawed at me. And I looked at him and I said, are you quest? And he was like, Prio! and I found my guy. Quest ended up being like a 30 pound cat. When he walked, he thumped. There was no mistaking that Quest was in the room. You would hear him like, don't, 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 when he walked. It was the most amazing thing. And then I, when I opened my yoga studio, I named it Quest Yoga Studio because so much of the yogic journey is being on a spiritual quest of remembering who you are, remembering that you deserve a seat at your own table because of who you are and how you are showing up in the world, the value that you are bringing to the other people at the table. And if you're lucky enough, maybe you get invited to sit at somebody else's table because they recognize that when you walk in the room, it's like, oh, KK's here. Oh, so-and-so is here. Oh, Nick is here. Oh, Georgie is here. Oh, Meg is here. Oh, right? And the list goes on and on. So if you could only have 12 nights, and just because they're nights, they can obviously totally be female. They can be women, however you want to label it, right? You get to decide who has a seat at your table, but you want to make sure that quality. We can have relationships niceties, nice, nices. Oh yeah. We're friends on Facebook. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can know a thousand people, but man, you had better be picky and choosy about who's in that inner sanctum sanctorium of having a seat at your night of the round table. Because this is like legendary fellowship. To me, it's legendary spiritual fellowship because even if they're business people, even if they're business mentors of mine, even if they're people that I lean on for different um, exposure in different ways, and they, want, they have to be people you're actually in relationship with, not people you wish you were in relationship with. These are like bona fide real deal, people that you know, firsthand experience. And you see them and you know their value and you give them an invitation at your table and then they get to accept. I know this is kind of like a little um, different kind of an episode, but this is what was put in my hat to talk about. These legendary kind of... Um, stories, like I said, they get passed on and they live on because there's something in them. You know, in the Course of Miracles, we talk about the, the different levels of teaching. You know, how sometimes somebody will be in your life for 30 seconds or three minutes, you share an elevator, or somebody is in your life for three months or three years. It's a passing friendship. And then you have the people who are um, like that level three who are like lifelong assignments. Maybe not everybody at your table is going to be there for, for their whole life because they might pass away and die or the relationship form might pass away and die. But when you're building it, man, find some, find some really strong characters and know what they are bringing to the table. 
and ask yourself, what am I bringing to the table? And I'm kind of geeky, so I literally like to think of people standing there with their swords. They have their spiritual armor, which stands for their strength. Not their armor, like they have to pretend, like, you know, protect, attack, defend. It's not out of weakness, right? Their armor kind of symbolizes to me like their strength. And their names get engraved on the chairs because that's a permanent way. That's a way of saying, like, I'm inviting you to this table. And I, I believe in you so and so much. I have so much faith in you that I'm engraving your fucking name on your chair. That is your chair. And I think there's something powerful about this. And you might be like, oh, okay, okay, I'm not into like medieval, blah, 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 blah. But look beyond that. That's just me geeking out because I love these old tales of, of um, King Arthur and the knights and, you know, uh, Guinevere and like all that stuff, Merlin and the magic and all that stuff. But just take it out of that and just really ask yourself, if I only had 12 invites, of people from different maybe influences um, of my life, who do I want to give a seat at my table to? And if I get invited to somebody else's table, what is it? Why do I, what would the reason be that they might invite you? What is your magical positioning? I remember talking with my friend Nick today. I think it would be okay to share this, but he was talking about how and I don't need to go into the details because that's not, but, the, but the, my particular resonance in his life, a particular way that I show up, that I, like for lack of a better word, check a box that nobody else can check. And that doesn't mean like, um, just meaning particularly around like our shared history, like, um, like just how, whatever I'm bringing to his table. It's a very powerful thing when somebody acknowledges that. When somebody recognizes you for like, this is what you bring to my table. It, it is an honor. It is an honor. And I do not take it lightly. You know, like back in the day when people would say like, oh, let's break bread. There was like a ceremony to that where they would invite you to their table for a meal. These are things that have fallen away. And especially during COVID. I think there's even a more exaggerated sense of like, we can't even get together and break bread anymore. So some of this is symbolic, but some of this, I dream of a time when we're able to gather again. And I dream of a time when it's like, I can have the ability. Wouldn't it be amazing if like at some point I could have the ability and the, and the means and the finances to gather my 12 nights and get them all together in a room at the same time. I think there's something very powerful about that. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that up in my hopey wishy box. <laughs> I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that in my, uh, in my vision, in my, I'm just, I just put that eat ideation. I just put that at the thing of a literal gathering of KK's nights of the round table. I'm pretty excited about that now. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to let you go with that. Who's at your table? Who are you inviting? And maybe who has had a seat for too long? 
maybe it's time to, to pull out one of those chairs and say your invitation has been revoked in the most loving way. You don't have to do it with malice. It's just, oh, the time has come. And just think about relationally how these people that you would bring together, how they would, um, by having them together, how that would alter them as well. And that's what I kind of think about the table as like, you know, in the course of miracles, we talk about the altar of God in our mind and that we place things on the altar. And there's something about this concept of, of the table, the round table and what we're bringing to the table and who we're bringing to the table, that when we come together, something gets altered, something gets transformed, that together we are stronger, that we are hashtag, as my friend Stu McLaren says, better together. An idea that is shared grows stronger. And so the people that I want to invite into my legendary fellowship, they are on a quest. They are on a quest for something. And they're the only ones that can actually sit in that seat and hold that seat and claim that seat. Because what, a, what, what their particular skill set or gifts or mission or ministry or calling is that the divine itself has placed them in your path and they have gotten a holy invitation and their empty seat. We, we don't want that empty seat at the table because it is through our wholeness and our togetherness. It is through our wholeness that we find our holiness. And so it is. Amen. They just told me that's it. Wrap it up. <laughs> okay. You guys, I hope this was helpful in some way. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. I would love to hear maybe who's sitting at your table. Who are you going to extend an invitation to? And what is it about them? What are their gifts or their magic? What is the Merlin within them that has given you inspiration within your heart to invite them there? And knowing how, what, whatever they bring, they bring their own particular brand of magic. And we're going to engrave, I always think of it, I engrave their name on my hat because I'm engraving their name on their chair on one of the seats at my table. And I would love to hear who maybe is sitting at your table. For those of you, you guys who have been listening and supporting the show, I, I, I just appreciate you so much. And a few of you left um, um, new uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. When I get those, I just get like, oh man, I get little hot squishies. I always say like, oh, I got a squishy. <laughs> it's so sweet of you and so kind of you. And I just, I love you and I appreciate you so much. And, you know, at the end of every one of these shows, um, I always say, right, I see you, I celebrate you, I hear you, I feel you, I appreciate you. And then I always say this, wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. And that's kind of the heartbeat of having a seat at the table. That wherever you go, when you walk in, they're like, oh, what a blessing that they are here. What a blessing that you are here with me too. So just thank you so much, you guys. I love you. Bye. guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time 
friendship and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>